Welcome to the Beer in a Movie podcast, a podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am Dave Gurney and I am here with... Carlos Cooper. And, and my name is Joe Hilliard, and warning, <laughs> very we, jubilant. We will normally do two episodes when we record. Yeah, we record two at a time, because we we're busy people. And we drink high ABV beers. Yeah, so average 8.8, right? So the second episode, things are getting yeah. silly. Yeah. They get silly. This is the third episode in one night. <laughs> Ooh, one of us has taken a vacation, so we just decided to do three. We've had four beers ahead of this moment. So just warning. No, right. no. It, <laughs> in, inaccurate. As a group, we've had six. Oh, that's right. Because if you'll re- recall, in the last episode, we drank three from the... Four uh, total. We drank three Duval from series. Orval. Orval series. Um, Robert, the Robert Duval series. The Robert series. Duval series. Uh, <laughs> but y'all started, y'all started before I did. Oh, yeah. Y'all had the Fluffernutter, right? right? Yeah, that's right. Over at B&J's. At B&J's the which peanut is butter gone, which is long gone. It's gone. By now. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, they yeah, were on, yeah. They were on their last keg but, when we um, were there. Okay, so it's, yeah, because this yeah. is like... You know, but tonight's no exception. We drank two beers in episode, and we're going to do two beers tonight. And the first one is from Chicago, Illinois. From Pipeworks Brewing Company, a brewery we have not yet visited, although we have visited the great state of Illinois. This is called Velocity of Light, and why we, why David, you brought this delicious beer. I did. Uh, why we, you chose and brought a Velocity of Light will make sense soon. <coughs> it's a seven ABV. And it's a New England IPA. Light. Now, why did we choose this beer? Well, so the, velocity of light. So, so high life, uh, which we're going to be talking about okay. shortly, is a film that takes place in space. Mm. Uh, it's a science fiction film, and there is reference to the ship traveling at ninety nine percent of the speed of light. And so, when when I heard that line, and I knew I had this can sitting in the refrigerator, I thought, okay, this would be a good one to bring for the podcast. That's it. And the purpose of the mission of this space group that I know we'll, we'll delve into here in a little while is to try to extract energy from a black hole with where, where light cannot escape. Right. Yeah. So if you can't travel at the speed of light or faster, then you presumably cannot get out of this black hole. Right. How many right. parsecs do you think it took them to get to that black hole? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. But uh, someone, so someone it's a, described this It's a joke. Parsecs is a unit of distance, not time, which is what Star Wars gets wrong. Yeah, High Life is available good. now if you want to stream it. We yeah, saw it, it, is in available a, we saw it in a string, a single evening screening available yeah. at our local uh, uh, art yeah. house cinema. It did, it it did came, receive it, a limited release. Very. Uh, it came very highly recommended from Josh Dilley on The Projectionist, not Josh Dilley on The Record Store Clerk, who right. I don't know has seen it yet um and it stars robert pattinson our new batman yeah and josh DeLeon had been the projectionist hitting my dms hard like mm-hmm. bro have you seen high life yet have you seen high life yet? you gotta see but how it, did he I see saw... it if it was a single night screening he had a sneak he's sleep. a projectionist yeah. come on hey, he's, he's got the he's inside a, just sits in a room full of every movie ever made he's in the, okay. like kind of like the architect in the matrix yeah. movies so and, and, and there loyal them. listeners remember josh from our episode lords of chaos, on yeah. lords of chaos where he he sat in and uh chimed in and uh, opened a rogue beer in the middle of the, that's uh, right the conversation and, and first he, guest to ever do that he'll join us again yeah. uh on a future episode so i had to see this movie yeah because it had come so highly recommended from 
someone whose had a very cinematic high... opinions I I you know yeah, hold had, in great regard. It had a high critical acclaim. It did. Uh, so we went to go see it. Gurney Gurney suckered us into going to see it. <laughs> she suckered us into going. So to he didn't suck us into it, but. It, it was. Well, before it, it might it might be the most Gurney film that we've watched Ooh, on the show. The most Gurney film. The most David Gurney. The most Dave Gurney film. Everything's great. The, everything's wonderful. No, everything's pessimistic. Optimistic. It's no. It's just that David, at times, I feel at least in you know, uh, my what five six year relationship with you at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's longer than that. I don't. We're know at least into seven that. or eight. At this can point. get can get pretty heady at times. Yeah. Okay. Thank and, you. And. You know, you. can get very I accept it as a compliment. Can get very Absolutely. can get very high concept. Yeah, and if I, I would be damned if there was a movie this year that is not headier Higher and more concept high concept than this movie. At least, I, certainly not that we've discussed here on the not podcast. definitely not that we. Well, let's, let's get into, let's get into some. Plots. I will definitely. Yeah. yeah so okay. Yeah. Let's get a synopsis. Ba- basic synopsis here. <laughs> Good luck. Which doesn't quite. <laughs> which doesn't quite do the film justice. There is a stainless steel dildo. Go ahead, David. <laughs> It's funny because, I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for this and thinking, wow, this seems like the most conventional Claire Denis film that I have ever seen. Can I tell you what I remember from the trailer? (laughs) What? An erotic, sexy space thriller. Okay. Barbarella. And I'm like, like, hell yeah. No, but it's not campy. It's (laughs) not campy. Erotic, sexy space thriller. And I'm like, that sounds kind of interesting. Okay, so... So our friend... Well, hold on. Before you get there, our friend that you brought with you... Yeah. Said that he had read something about it, yeah, Tom, and it was described as nightmarish. And so, I think the two of you, or actually, Joe hadn't gotten there, you had gotten up to go look at the beer board yeah. in the lobby, and me, Tom, and Kylie were talking. And he said something about it being nightmare. She's like, "Yeah, I haven't seen a horror movie in the theater for a while." And we were like, "Horror movie? I'm going to see a sexy erotic space thriller." And he was like, "Yeah, I mean, I looked it up, and that's what it said." And like, I just assume, and we're like, "Oh, there's nothing and, sexy or and, erotic." And me and Kylie were, movie. and me and Kylie were both like, "Horror? We didn't think that was what was mm-hmm. happening at all." Right. You know? So okay, the, the the basic premise here, right? We're we're <laughs> we're we're in some sort of future period right, right. where their space travel to an extent that we do not know it is is available um that earth potentially is sort of experienced some sort of post-apocalyptic and it's not collapse. fully explained they don't right they don't not fully explained us. doesn't need to be but right. we're at a point where we're seeking some sort of energy source so what do we do we go to death row inmates and we give them ins- an option it, right exactly instead of going to the gas chamber or right. wherever you're going to go you Electric can go on, however they dispatch of people in the future you can go on this experimental mission out into space to help uh understand what energy we might tap into through black holes and so they send out this vessel and we um have sort of a ragtag group of different individuals that, that are, we know are death row inmates even if we don't know exactly what crime they committed to get right. them there though we learn yeah. a little bit later right. but some, yeah, some kind of criminal element to each of them right yeah and uh and and they're sent out there and we see sort of the demise of this crew for the most part yeah but then also this kind of rejuvenation through this child that's born. But it's non, you know, it's non-linear. So we start off with start just with, one right. character, and then it takes us back in time to earlier that's in the right. mission when it's but the entire right. crew, and then it jumps forward again. And there's very little context to anything in the narrative. 
Which doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. If you're me, telling it, a compelling story. It doesn't bother me, but it makes it hard to follow. <laughs> right. Um, it makes it hard to kind of keep track of characters. So who oftentimes I feel like don't get names. I. Well, I Some think, I think do, most but, of them get names. But, but Robert Pattinson's character. Robert Pattinson's character does for sure, but a mm-hmm. lot of the other ones, I mean, you may get a name like once, but it's not something that it's like super memorable. I mean, like when I'm thinking about the movie, I'm thinking about like, oh, Mia Goth's character who has, I would venture to say one of the best names of all time, Mia Goth. I mean, I wish Goth yeah. was my last name. <laughs> and then you have Three Stacks who like we know, I mean... Yeah. So I, allow me to kind of get. And into I feel this. like his name was said a few times. It that, was, that one I but he's with. still just he's still uh, just three blue balls. I, well, I'll, I'll get into that in a second. But they, they call him Mister uh, Frozen Nuts at one point, something, like, something that. like that. Yeah, he's like the monk. Right, the monk. There you go. Yeah, be- I like that. Be- because okay, so the the purpose of the journey is to go see if you can harness energy from a black and hole. resources. Yeah. However, they have secondary purposes in the journey. For right. example, they have to create food and water for themselves. So there is a on uh, uh, it's a, a garden. There's a garden. Uh, there, uh, recycled waste. Yeah. Uh, to compost with, to drink the urine when it gets recycled, filtered um, and stuff. But then uh, Juliette Binoche, who's a beautiful fantastic actress yeah mm-hmm. uh is uh her she's project is and you don't you have to keep in mind that she's a death row inmate herself yes which i didn't know from the outset right right she, her thing is reproductive uh, uh experimentation yeah so she's collecting sperm from the men and eggs from the women and the the uh daily if you can give it uh, i guess for the men's sperm for the ladies probably not daily you'll get a pill of narcotic which is everyone's primary reason for being at this point. Yeah. Give me some more drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you my sperm in in exchange for drugs. Yeah. Robert Pattinson doesn't keeps do his fluid to himself as he puts it in the film. It's a direct right. quote. And doesn't take the drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's That's why they call him the monk. Right. Yeah, that's why they call him the monk. That's why they call him Mr. Frozen Balls or Mr. Blue, Blue Balls, Balls or whatever. Yeah. And so he is um I th- I guess I would assume you are to believe he's a more trusted character. He's not under the influence of the narcotic, and mm-hmm. he's got... He's aware of the fact that she's putting sedatives in the water. Right. And so mm-hmm. even though he may be subjected to it, he's cognizant mm-hmm. of it right. mm-hmm. and can navigate accordingly. Right. And it's just the minutia of their life. It's not a yeah. fast film. It's a slow it's film. Very slow. Right. And it's also um, beautiful images of space, space imagery. Yeah. Um, and 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 here I don't and know. there, but it, but it is. I mean, I, I think it, it, mundane. Yes, I mean, I think a lot of it takes place in the you know the interior of that uh, vessel, right? Mm-hmm. And right. it's very much claustrophobic. Yeah, it looks it's like a floating very, storage unit. Yes, flooring, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And and that container actually, ship, I kind of like yeah. the fact that when we even saw We're the exterior shots of it, yeah. it's just this like it's very. Yes, exactly. It's because box it's utilitarian. Through space. Well, because in space you don't need aerodynamics. And no one right? usually there's no wind right, or right. anything. You know, yeah. Like, uh, so, so I mean that that was kind of lovely, but <laughs> but but it really is. It's just I mean I think yes, it is a science fiction film, but it's really a film that's just interested in what happens when we put these people into this closed space mm-hmm. and they have to deal with one another. They're forced to be there. Yeah. It is. MTV's Real World, <laughs> filtered through a French yeah, art, <laughs> an, an artistic French director, yeah. 
um, in 2019. The, I was not surprised at all when I found out the director was French. Carlos, not even do you bit. know anything about this director's work? I don't. No. Not, neither did I. David, I'm sure that you do. A little bit, yeah. yeah no, have you so, seen some of their stuff? I have seen Claire Denise. Uh, so she's actually, touching yeah. back to one of our earlier episodes, one of her first film experiences, I believe, was working with Jim Jarmusch. Um, Interesting. In, uh, I think it was Stranger Than Paradise that she uh, was... Uh, an assistant director on or so and so so she had some early sort of experience with the indie film scene but then came into her own in the 90s making films uh nanette and boni botravai uh trouble every day was one that stood out to me mm-hmm. and that was in the early 2000s it was a sort of a weird vampire film right. um that she made and uh it, i don't know she she is a filmmaker who has a lot of patience right who will give you these long sequences where there's very little happening where you're just kind of experiencing this moment between characters but then also isn't shy about getting into some strange territory and joe kind of pointed this out early on there is within this sort of reproductive experiment that's going on this room where they are before you finish (laughs) before you finish that sentence i have to share a story about my experience with this film yeah so kind of early on in the movie it became clear to me that i needed to use the restroom yeah so i was trying to find a place in the story where I felt like, okay, now I have a little bit of wiggle room where quick, I can go. Quick dash. Quick dash, yeah. get in and out real right. quick, come back. Won't miss a thing. I come back into the theater mm-hmm. from what was a pretty normal scene sure. to Juliet Binoche, Binoche Ch- uh, chocolate. putting a condom mm-hmm. on a fairly reasonable size dildo mm-hmm. and then proceeding <laughs> stainless steel and then proceeding to uh, mount and then proceeding to mount and ride and, ride and ride. bring herself to completion very in what is extended other, scene it's very extended mm-hmm. in what is otherwise a completely pitch black room there's mm-hmm. absolutely nothing to mm-hmm. be seen except mm-hmm. for her and this apparatus mm-hmm. and while david gurney giggles and just, just loud was I, that, was that giggling? I, no. I don't. I don't oh. remember that. But I'll be damned if that's not Good. one of the most Good. jarring cinematic <laughs> right. experiences I've ever had. To yeah. leave the jarring theater, return yeah. from the bathroom, and then come right. back to that. Yeah. Okay, David. And I, I was afraid I missed something. Yeah. Oh, that, you did. Oh, yeah. But I don't think not that much. I did. No. Well, I was well, Carlos. Say. A few minutes later, I needed to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I tried oh, to find myself yes. a time to. And oh. you picked a bad you, time. Quick dash. You came back. To I the, come back to a graphic rape scene. Rape yeah. scene. Yes. Yeah. Where okay, so then I'm. I knew that I hadn't missed much. I understood it in the context of the film, but then I remembered to myself: these are convicted criminals on death row. And we don't really talk about the crimes that they committed. Yeah. So the idea that there's a criminal element and there's a very sexually charged um, experiment going on yeah. where we expect you to masturbate to completion so that you can, I can collect your sperm or I'm going to go in and a gynecological Google. Say you say it. It's a gynecological. Third. Thank yeah. you. Uh, 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 to, to retrieve eggs, etc., so that we can try to. 
um, continue the mission by just creating the next generation of the mission. Right? Yeah. I mean, when we all die on this ship, the mission is over. Sort so of, yeah, can yeah. we create life, right. uh, the next generation, of, yeah. and, and continue? Um, and, and, and it was so graphic and, and gritty, and, 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 and I, I'm, sh- I'm still not sure if I'm convinced that I saw a great movie or a big waste of time. I am not far off from you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that... I'm not convinced if I saw a good movie or a big waste of time because I don't think that under any circumstances, regardless of my interpretation or how I felt about the movie, that High Life was a waste of time. I think it was a very worthwhile movie-going experience. Mm. I think there was a lot of very interesting visual elements to it. You're right. I think that it was a fairly unique take on the sci-fi genre. That is correct. There was some very striking imagery. I liked Three Stacks' performance. I think Robert Pattinson was great in it. I think that Julia Binoche was good in it, and it there was there was enough there for me to believe it to be worthwhile. But I don't know if I saw a great movie or a slightly reaching, arty kind of uh, masturbatory thing. Now I don't I I there was masturbation in it, but but I think a fair amount. But I don't think it was masturbatory. I I really like this film. I think it convinces us to me. So to me, when I think of the heights that we can reach sometimes using science fiction to kind of probe the human condition, I think that this film did that in ways that I have rarely experienced. I think that trapping. How familiar are you with this director's work? I mean, familiar enough. I've seen a handful of her films. Okay. She's she's probably had. Is there a trajectory to this point? Not necessarily okay. in terms of genre. I yeah. mean, I, I nothing that I've seen before this tells me. But she's interested in human behavior. She yeah. is. She's one of those filmmakers who I think really likes to to force you as a film viewer to observe things that you would just kind of take for granted. But there's something to that as far as her being a French director, too, because, I mean, I think that if you are born and raised in France, I would assume, I'm obviously not born and raised there, that there's a certain amount of French existentialism that just seeps into the, your the cultural vocabulary. yeah the cultural vernacular mm-hmm. of the world that you're brought up mm-hmm. in and, and your I think, filmmaking vocabulary you're gonna well, do things well that too that, yeah. but but regardless of whether you're a filmmaker or a painter mm-hmm. or like an accountant i mean there's like thing just part of sure. part of that something idea, we don't know something because, that yeah we don't yeah. have as much of in america right and um, yeah no i'm fuck there was something else that i wanted to say sorry um fuck what was it <laughs> <laughs> I I think so I think she is informed by a more um provocative kind mm-hmm. of artistic uh type of filmmaking than than what we're prone to being exposed to in the United States. I I agree oh, with that. Oh, without a doubt. She she's actually she was born in uh colonial Africa. I mean, yeah. she so she she kind of experienced her life in in some interesting ways from what I understand. Um, and she's much older than than I had ever realized. Yeah, when yeah. we were, I think it was when we were leaving the theater or something. Because I I looked her up on IMDb the second yeah. I got out. Right. Mm-hmm. 1946 yeah. when she was born. Yeah, my 18 year old. Well, son like was, I said, she was helping out. I talked to Hunter about yeah. it a little bit, and he was like, "I don't Man, know what I just saw. I don't know what that was." <laughs> yeah. 
it's so the, but but getting back to my my reaction here you know when i see a film like this i love the idea that you have this small group of characters trapped on a ship mm-hmm. what are and we've they seen do? that many times we have yeah we have to some extent yeah. Yeah. but how many times are they the antagonists to their own protagonists though but there is no antagonism or protagonism well, here. That's what I'm saying. There is, is there, there both? There, there is a sexual assault, but there's no. Well, there are several sexual assaults, but the, or two, at least there's two. two. Yeah, but there's yeah. no, there's no villain, and there's no because they're they're all the hero and the villain simultaneously. Right, and we're. Yeah. Some, I'm sorry, David. We keep interrupting. No, you. no. no there, I want you but to get but I think all of this is true. I mean, I think what I what I like about this as a film, and what I like about Claire Denis as a filmmaker, is that. She doesn't deliver you the kind of standard uh-huh. narrative uh-huh. expectations that you. Everything's have. defined. Instead, we're seeing like r- characters that have real human elements to them, sure. tr- figuring stuff out together, and in this case, put into a very extreme situation mm-hmm. that forces them to do things, or maybe, or maybe you know, sort of pulls them to do things that they wouldn't do maybe right. in, in other situations, but nonetheless are very human in their characteristics. The thing I wanted to say that I forgot mm-hmm. was that in s- strong juxtaposition to last week's episode, Men in Black, where that's just <laughs> that was just a fun movie sure. that you saw a and then you were done with. by children. Sure, fine. Um that you didn't think about much afterwards, regardless of whether I did or did not like this movie. Thought I thought about it, about it a lot. I did afterwards. too. Yeah, I did. a lot. I did afterwards. too. I it. There what, are what, image, what were you thinking are, about? Just images, or were you trying to figure it out? There are images that did not leave me. Yeah, I dwelled on a For bit. Sure. But yeah, there was a lot of like, what was she trying to say? Like, what is the allegory? Like, mm-hmm. what? what was going on in this yeah. you know and i think that i arrived at a point where i'm like i don't know she was trying how to many say people anything, were on that you know? crew? like how many people were on the crew like eight or something okay you put eight people on a small vessel yeah for years years for an indefinite period i, think, I, think, be, I think that's the biggest thing an indefinite period there will time. be a level of sexual politics yeah unless you curb it yeah by forcing them in to masturbate while you give them a narcotic the setting, yeah. as a reward Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I no, 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 no. Do you follow me? Like I this do, is adult. Yeah. This is adult conversation. Yeah, I mean, you put eight people in a nightclub. Someone's going home getting laid. You follow me? <laughs> you put you put eight people. I wish you wouldn't have said it the way you did. You but understand? I agree Hold with on, you. but you put eight people in a small. Can vessel one of them be Chris Hemsworth? That are going. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you like, David. Uh, you In put eight people on a vessel scenario. and going into into space. You got to curb that that, yeah. that behavior. But, but if you're a governmental agency trying to make a mission occur, right. Right. so you put this weirdo uh, Juliet Binoche on the uh, on the thing. Yeah, you all dispense you narcotics. Yeah, for 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 curbing that urge. Yeah, and I, I and you can't help but get a sexual assault. You can't help it. I mean. The- there's so That's much gross to say, but you follow what I'm no, saying. They, I mean, Criminal for sure. They, I mean, yeah, you're dealing with people that have questionable morals. You're dealing with the more that, I talk about this movie, the more I liked it. A scenario. There, I mean, there really is a lot going on, and just the social politics to it all mm-hmm. on its own, without anything else, is enough that we could be talking about it for quite a while. Right. Yeah. But the fact that there was so much 
depth in what is arguably a kind of sparse narrative. Yeah, very much. Is an impressive feat of filmmaking and storytelling, I think. And there, there are a few moments that particularly struck me. Um, one is in one of the aforementioned sexual assaults where Julia Benoche's character, after having sedated the entire crew around her, proceeds to mount and then, you know, bring to completion Robert Pattinson's character, right. thus harvesting. Who, who is abstaining. Who from is abstaining, any, right. and she thinks that, I don't know, his sperm is like whatever, yeah. like I, more. Well, he wants to at like, least give it a shot. I think, give that, it it a make, shot, I yeah. think that it, it gets down to that whole um, selective breeding. Right. He is the strongest on the ship, so yeah. he's going to create the best child. Yeah, but. According to those laws. Right. And I lost, I'll, my, tra- I lost I'm my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of jizz. No. <laughs> Please edit that out. What was I talking about? You're talking you were about talking about her, her mounting him, taking the before sperm. That? How did I get She's there? She's sedated. How did I get there? Fuck. <laughs> there were two sexual assaults, and you looked back upon them, and the one no. that we already discussed, but then she goes and... No, there was there was something about that scene that I was on about. Was, was, <laughs> all right. Was, no, no, it wasn't at all. I fucked up. That's okay. If it comes back, we've had to a few you, beers. We'll go back yeah. to it. So, I want to, I want to make sure that we touch upon Robert Pattinson, and we've made mention very briefly here already that he is our next Batman. I, I, I think this is just another, another indication that he is fully equipped to take on whatever role he is given. He's not a bad actor no matter what. He is no, he's not just no not a bad actor. He's a fluff. great actor. No matter he what teenage fluff he got we've mentioned with. this. We've right. mentioned this on a past episode. Right. Carlos Several. brought it up as a news item that yeah. he had been cast as the next Batman. I believe the Booksmart and, episode, episode number right. 41. And at the time, we had mentioned uh, Good Time, which w- w- was a film that he such did a, that, that a was a, a really interesting role Shouts for him. Shouts out Safety Brothers. Um, and, and he's done many other roles. That are, but this is just one of those roles that I think kind of stands out as really showing the guy has incredible range. Um, it was a character that I could not have imagined. I mean, after having seen him do it, I couldn't imagine anybody else doing it. Mm-hmm. And he just did it really, really you well. Think, you don't think Ben Affleck could have been in this movie? <laughs> Maybe Michael Keaton. Maybe Michael Keaton. <laughs> Christian Bale for sure. Christian Bale for sure. Yeah. Uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, <laughs> if we're playing a game, yeah. I'll play a game with you. Right. And, and Adam the, West, R.I.P. And, and the Clooney could do anything. Yeah. Right. The Clooney could do anything. Yeah, right. Let's not get uh, carried away. But, but seriously, I mean, it. I think it was a really amazing and from what i understand something that he lobbied for this was a film that he heard about that he wanted to be part of um i believe the part was originally written with philip seymour hoffman i read that yeah Yeah. so this is a project that's been in gestation for a long time Yeah. yeah And uh, and so it's it's pretty amazing to see him go in and pull something like that off. Yeah, is, is that is that a testament to the director who I don't know much about to be honest with you, and I look right. forward to finding more about. There are American directors that everyone lines up to work with: Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Right, right. Is uh, Denis uh, that in France and into America? I don't know like, that if I can get into one of her films. That's going to complete a lot of things and that I, I enjoy as a director. No, I 
director? I think, I think to that end, no. I don't think this is like a move that... Because she has made Robert, an English, her first English-speaking film. This is her first one. Right. I don't think this is a move that Robert Pattinson makes thinking, oh, this will establish me. Yeah. No, mean, no, 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 no. I want to work I with think, this interesting filmmaker. Right. I think this is a... I feel like I would be challenged mm-hmm. and I would have an experience mm-hmm. that would go outside mm-hmm. anything else I would have if right. I work with a director like right. this. So yeah. to, yeah, I don't to think... his credit, I think this shows that he has that kind of interest yeah. in pushing I, himself. And I think and I think he's shown plenty of times before this that he's capable of extending his range and becoming a character and committing to a role i don't i don't think that he was proving anything or trying to do anything other than his own personal artistic goals with this film hollywood's so funny i don't think there's anything else you um you you get a (laughs) here come the men in black you get a uh you get a plum roll that's gonna make you a lot of money like the Twilight series. Sure, yeah. And then it expires. Mm-hmm. And then you are useless. Because mm-hmm. you are forever tied to it. Until until or unless you can make a transition out of that. Mm-hmm. And you do that oftentimes by taking small films, offbeat films, artistic films. And I think we're, we're all correct that we're looking forward to Robert Pattinson moving into a new era of his career. Yeah. And in this film, he, he did a really, really, really interesting job and an interesting choice yes i would agree with that wholeheartedly and they do get to the uh, uh black hole and they you do. do get to see some interesting sci-fi there for you a little while do. you do and i think a head explode th- inside of an astronaut helmet right. and yeah, yeah uh, so and then you've also got your uh robert uh well you were gonna say carlos i remember what i was gonna say earlier okay i'm gonna be quiet now that i totally forgot the reason that i brought up the reason I brought up Julia Binoche uh, mounting an unconscious Robert Pattinson is because she then proceeds to inseminate Mia Goth's character. And when that right. happens, we get this very beautiful, like, nebula kind of shot mm-hmm. that is supposed to symbolize this intergalactic kind of visual mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. the creation of life. Right. And I thought that was a very, uh, a very striking scene mm-hmm. and one that I particularly enjoyed despite the horrific kind of context to Mm -hmm. what was happening yeah i thought that visually it was beautiful and it was um and you know something that stayed with me afterward this film is one that anybody who watches it's going to stick with them and like as we were saying earlier you know that for for good or bad i mean i think i think people are going to ponder this I think it is a more sort of philosophical science fiction film in in many ways, but that's why we kind of have it paired with something that in the second half I think is also one of those philosophical uh, science fiction films. And I'm going to go ahead and actually we rarely do this, but I'm not even going to say its title. It's in in the title of the episode, though. Well, okay. <laughs> but uh, you know what it is already. But uh, where do we fall when it comes to how we've traveled through this first half at the velocity of light here, folks? Good beer. Pipeworks. They're Solid making beer. good IPAs. We drink a lot of adjunct friendly beers here. This mm-hmm. is just an IPA. Mm-hmm. It happens to be a double, it happens to be double dry hop. But there's no fruit or cheesecake or anything else added to it. I wish right. there was cheesecake. And it was 
delicious. It is an oat India pale ale. I just oh, really yeah. Son of a well, it's I mean, but it, <laughs> my whole theory blown. But I'm telling you, this is a delicious beer. It is. I would put a few of these in my beer fridge and hold on to them for a it's, while, yeah, bringing it's, them out for special occasions. Absolutely, they 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 make good beer. Big fan. I agree. All right, so well, that, uh, that's our beer. That's our whole beer thing that we're gonna do for this. It's just a good beer. I mean, it, what it else do you want it's us to a, say? It's, a solid, it's good. It's got double the, dry hopped oat IPA. It, what else I mean, do you want? It was it was hazy. It had a nice mouthfeel. It had all of the aromatics that you would want from a double dry hopped IPA. Um, it wasn't too bitter. It wasn't too malty. I mean, it was. A and the very, can is shiny and silver. The can is not silver, Joe. I mean, it's silver, but it's wrapped in a very eye-catching design that, to me, is somewhat reminiscent of a Dr. Manhattan on Mars kind of landscape as far as the color palette goes. I think it's beautiful. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the best films ever ever made. And you will find out what that film is when we return. All right, and we're back, and we're here to talk about the greatest movie ever made. No, 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 no. no. One of them. It, 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 it's up there. It's up there, yeah. But before we do that, we have to open a beer, and I'm very excited it about the beer. It couldn't be more apropos as far as the label art. I, well, I'm very excited about the beer that uh, David has brought for this episode for a number of reasons. One, um, yeah, the label art is very representative of the movie that we're about to talk about. But also, so this is from Matchless Brewing. It's called The Clarity. It's an IPA. This bad boy is hopped with Eldorado, Topaz, Chinook, and Mosaic. The malt is Pilsner, blah, 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 blah. Um, The descriptors is the unrelenting deep space quest for the perfect clear IPA. And let's see, it comes in at 6.4% ABV. Now, the reason I'm so excited about it and that I like it so much is it's called The Clarity, which I refuse to believe is not a direct reference to the sleep song, The Clarity, especially based on the kind of, you know, space-themed artwork. But, uh, yeah, let's crack it open and get going. So, the uh, space theme here, right? So we're, we're, we're doing science fiction this episode. We're looking at the first half. We were just talking about High Life, the, this relatively recent um, psychological, philosophical yeah. space kind of horror film that we, that we watched. Um, thinking back to where science fiction has taken us into these kind of thought-provoking directions before... It seemed inescapable that we would need to go back to 2001, A Space Odyssey. And peeling back the curtain a little bit, we chose that film before we saw High Life. But after seeing High Life, it was the appropriate choice to make. For sure. There's the, a... void, the void of space. The endless travel of space. And, 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 that, and that you're just going in a direction... And you have no choice but to go in that direction. I'm so glad we chose this film. Yeah, I mean, and there is some imagery in High Life that is directly referencing 2001. Like, the um, the point that I made in the first half about when there's that, um, the 
moment of conception when you see that kind of nebula, mm-hmm. very colorful mm-hmm. image of space. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's directly influenced by 2001. The very end shot directly influenced by 2000. I mean, there's so much that of the space imagery in high life that's directly influenced by 2001. And I do, I, I do maintain this is the greatest movie ever made. And certainly by one of the directors that understood the medium of film more than anybody else. Uh, yeah. When Kubrick made a film, it was an event. Even yeah. his last film that was released in theaters, Eyes Wide Shut, was an event because of the space between them, because of the way that he crafted and crafted and then recrafted every single shot that he made, and that took a long time to a make. A long time. His notoriously meticulous nature... Mm-hmm. Because we are here to capture a photograph, but a series of 28 photographs per second to make a moving picture. Yeah. And he understood that, I think, maybe more than any other living, any other director that I've ever taken the time to watch a movie by. Sure. I sure. would, yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. How much plot do we need to talk about on this film? There's no plot. There is, but how? how but how there much? But how much? <laughs> There's very I, little. I mean, plot. I mean, if you are a cinephile at all, you've you, seen you, it. You have seen this movie. You've seen it. And yeah. if you haven't seen this movie, you should, and you should see it on the biggest screen possible with I, minimal now, interruption. This is, and this is actually something that minimal I, interruption I can, that I consider a real um, sore spot in my in my own experience is that. I have seen this film several times. I own a copy on DVD, but never on the big but screen. But I have never seen it on a truly large screen. I've seen with it no interruption. I well, had. I've, I mean, I've seen it without interruption, okay. but I but I haven't seen it on a truly big screen. Yeah. I had the opportunity and the privilege to see it in IMAX within the last year. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, fantastic. Um, God, was that in de- was that in December? It was Is for it, its anniversary you're in or town? something. Yeah, at Century, the only IMAX theater we yeah. have. Yeah, um, yeah. I got to see it there. Um, a friend of mine, Sean, he was like, "Oh, hey, we're gonna go see this in IMAX. Like, it's only playing today. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna go to the first showing at like eleven thirty in the morning or whatever." Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you want to go? And I was like, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can go. Like, mm-hmm. it's a Saturday, you know, whatever." Mm-hmm. And I kind of planned my schedule around it, and I texted him at like. 10:45, and I was like, "Hey, we're headed to the theater. Where are you guys' seats?" And he was like, "Oh, we can't go. We're gonna go later." And so it ended up just being me and Kylie, and like literally one other person wow. in the theater. Really? Well, I mean, wow. it was an early screening yeah, on a Saturday, so you know. And then I had friends that went and saw it in like the 7:40 kind of territory, uh-huh. and then there was a lot more people there for that. They also didn't advertise it super well, but that that all being said, I watched that movie in the big screen, and. Changes your life. I mean, the first time I saw it already was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is a true feat of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most important cinematic moments in American cinema history. Saw it on the big screen and I walked out and I looked at Kylie and I was like, I I need to get a 2001 tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to get. Okay. And then... About six months later, I got that tattoo. Okay. So I do have a 2001 Space really? Odyssey tattoo. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, I, it's just the monolith. Yeah. Okay, I didn't uh, know that. Okay. But, yeah, I I do... And the reason I think this is the best movie ever made is because how many movies can you say 50 years later have 
some of the most breathtaking special effects you've ever seen. Sure. I mean, that's insane to say I, that a 50-year-old film mm-hmm. visually mm-hmm. holds up mm-hmm. in that way and can still inspire and can still captivate an audience in this kind of marvelous, yeah. like, oh my God, look at how beautiful this is and kind it, of way. And it's cliche. I mean, that's why it's difficult to talk about on a podcast because, A, it's been talked about on a thousand podcasts prior to now. Oh, for sure. But not just that. I mean, like, the most amazing editing that you could ever think of, the the iconic uh, scene from the, the bone being tossed into yeah. the air by the apes. How? And then we're, we fast forward 3,000 years or whatever it is yeah. into the spaceship. Uh, with 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 just such a the the twirling space station with the blue Danube I think is the right the piece or something Danube, like that. Yeah. Danube or something mm-hmm. like that Danube um, yeah I don't know yeah I'm with I, you I don't speak fucking around go ahead uh, yeah I mean just all of that is right. so and there's like, a little bit of dated there's a little bit of uh, of dated in there well, but gonna, but you forgive every single bit of it. I mean, part of it is because of the music that was chosen. I mean, right. Alex North was tapped to, you know, do an original score for it. Kubrick didn't like his score. And mm-hmm. even before that, from what I've heard, rumors are that he had wanted Pink Floyd to do the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, really? And the studio mm-hmm. said, fuck that. And mm-hmm. so that's when Alex North came in. Mm-hmm. Kubrick didn't like Alex North, so he chose. And I think his use of classical music in some way keeps it from being dated uh, yeah you're right because it's music that there's at no that sympathy. time yeah, was, no, already was already so dated it was past. already so yeah. antiquated yeah. that well, now it doesn't yeah. yeah well it doesn't change anything about right. it it's just yeah. like right you know these are the same you know so classical we have, we have half a dozen mo- you know vignettes uh, beginning with the dawn of man and then yeah and then moving into space travel and then moving into further space travel and then into Beyond how the yeah and then the hal and dave and the whole thing that I mean, has been yeah. talked to death. We don't well, have no, to get into it. It's just such a beautiful movie. But it is. But, it, the, but then technology, and, and the evolution of technology from early man into technology to technology taking over and then getting back to... to how do you even describe? The thing right. that created humanity undoes humanity. Right. Well, or or it pushes humanity forward. I mean, that's... I mean, it <clears throat> isn't... Um, I mean, it's it's interesting. I remember seeing this film. So I remember my experience with 2001 when I was in middle school, so sixth grade. I remember being that in is a, that that is a ripe young age to Be, see this. Being into science fiction or getting into science fiction and reading some Arthur C. Clarke and reading 2001, the novel, which was written concurrently Concurrent, yeah. with the screenplay. So, you know, Kubrick and Clark were kind of collaborating mm-hmm. where they were coming up with this story and working on it kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a film. It's going to be a novel. It's going to be a film. Think about and, that concept. Hold on. Think about that concept. Yeah, yeah. A brilliant filmmaker. We've sure. already seen fantastic. Brilliant play. novelist. Let me get with a brilliant uh, science fiction novelist right. so that we together fantastic. can create can create something something that's that's Absolutely. pushing the boundaries Absolutely. of all of it. So so tapping into that, reading the novel first, um, and and sort of being, it you know sort of it, it pulled in by that. Should I read the novel? I never have. It's either. worth it. It it explains a lot more. I mean, I, I, I love Arthur C. Clarke. The, the novel 
offers a lot more Insider. backstory, kind of like it, it, it gives you a lot more explanation what the monoliths are, why they're there, what they're doing, all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I want to know that. But then I don't either. Well, that's, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. Because then seeing the film, I remember, you know, whatever I was, 11, 12 years old, seeing this film, mm -hmm. feeling like, oh my God, this is so unlike anything I've ever seen oh, before. No because to this day. So little, the first 20 minutes, is there even a word uttered? I mean, it's yeah. like there's barely any dialogue. And then once dialogue comes in, it's very banal. It's very sparse. Right. There's a little bit of exposition. Right. A little bit. But other and than then, that, you got to figure it out on your you own. You know, exactly. And, and American, filmmaker, American filmmaking audiences aren't given that opportunity very often. Well, that's no. it. And, and, and so, we're not equipped. We're not, we don't have the tools for that. At a young age. Of course we it don't. It impressed me visually. Yeah. And, and knowing the story that I did from the novel, I think I was able to fill in enough of the gaps for myself that I found it really compelling. It's only been more recently, I remember, you know, buying a DVD copy, which I still own, of it um, in the, you know, early 2000s and mm -hmm. watching it again. Is that a two-sided DVD? No, a laser disc. It, it, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a DVD with two sides. There were some two-sided, but no, it wasn't. Dances with yeah, Wolves right. was that three hours? But and I remember years. watching it again, and it finally starting to like sink in that oh my god, this is somebody who actually knows how to tell stories without using words. Yeah, with, there's with like, like just a, images. It, there's a nonverbal component to this film that very few films have, and that films can have. Mm -hmm. And right, and I mean, you watch silent cinema, you see like, mm -hmm. fi filmmakers can work with that visual language in a way that can bring something across that, you know, very few films do. This film is one of those films. This film is one of those in the sound era that actually brings a very, very heady story across to you, if you allow it to, that, um, I just I can think of few other films that kind of match it like that. I mean, and and I do think that's why part of why you know earlier on we were saying it makes a good compliment to High Life. I think that High Life is trying to do some similar things where it's trying with, to let us just kind of sit there with these. Okay, what is it that's going on? But like, without ripping is, off so obviously that it no, calls back a, to two thousand one. They're, they're doing different things yeah. in 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 different ways, and I mean, and good I, for them. I think. I think Kubrick's scope, Kubrick and Clark, I guess I'll give them, you know, their scope is much more, it's more vast. It, it is. It's, it's trying for something that's more transcendent of Certainly. the human condition. Certainly. Whereas I think Denis is trying for something that's much more weighted down by mm -hmm. the human kit. Like, I mean, she's kind of exploring more the, ba the baseness of yeah. humanity. Whereas Kubrick and uh, Clark, I think, are trying to explore this, like, there is an evolutionary step that we might take at some point that brings us beyond where we are right now. I think Denis is in some way... I mean, she kind of gets there at the end. <laughs> what, what, what age were you when you say you saw this movie for the first 11, time? 11, What 12. was your... Did you have any Kubrick history? No, that was that? this was the first Stanley Your first Kubrick movie. movie. Oh, easily. And I had no idea who he was. It wasn't yeah. until years later. Because I think I saw Clockwork Orange before I saw 2001. I yeah. did too. I think I saw Shining before I saw 2001. I definitely I saw Shining a few years later. Right. But that would have been, been, well, been young this, to see yeah. Shining. I was in my 20s when I saw The Shining. Yeah. So, I mean, as a 2001 student, as a student of film, see, it was my first job. 
yeah. 16, 17 years old. I was at a video store and we could take movies home that weren't rented that night right. as long as we provided we got them back before the store opened again. So that's where I got my huge filmmaking education. Education. Yeah. See, that's such a cool job. Taking man. films. Can't have anymore. No. Taking films home. Jaws and yeah. Stanley Kubrick and I know you hate Jaws. The, the movie you never <laughs> Fuck seen. Jaws. Uh, uh, a Frankenhooker. I mean, like all of the movies that didn't get rented that night, we could take home. No, but for real, I would. Right. I, I did like the uh, uh, the beast studies. Yeah, I would do studies. And I did a, a Kubrick study. Yeah. And I watched him kind of in order of him's release. Yeah. Him's release. That's, <laughs> that's language. <Dude. laughs> yeah. You watched chronologically through his filmography. There. With the videos that we so. had available to do so. <laughs> right, and right, so, right. And uh, so... Um, Probably Lolita. Did you, did you But I did... I, no, 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 no. I just told a lie Half because didn't Clockwork Orange came out, come out after 2001? After 2000, yes. yeah. yeah. I saw it first. And I remember my parents... Found me watching it. That's awkward. <laughs> they were upset. Ooh. I would imagine because that was above my pay grade, probably for a it's, sophomore in high school. It's a heavy back then. There's a lot. There's a rape and other things. A very violent one. Very violent. Very rapey. Uh, uh, 2001, though. I mean, I and 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 um, Strange Love came out prior to, to 2001. 2001? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I did see that in that chronological order. But I mean, I was doing everything that I could to learn. About great filmmakers and their movies. Yeah. Back in that day, I would love to. I, I call it. I can't tell you how jealous I am that you had that experience. I know. I wish I, I, I. Yeah. I mean, I seeing it, seeing it, IMAX was incredible. But you know. Okay. So, so we haven't even gotten to Dave, and we haven't even gotten to Hal. I mean, it's yeah. just fantastic storytelling, but it starts with no narrative at all Nothing. it starts with no dialogue like at all but then gets into this fantastic thing that you have to see five or six times to understand all the tricks that he's given you at the beginning to understand the end i, I, I mean i've seen it a lot of times yeah. and i still don't fully understand what's going on I and mean, maybe you're not supposed to i don't know if you are i mean i think it's giving you enough i think it, in in you it's know giving from, you a steak from what i've understood to, to chew on there's from, meat Right when 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 Kubrick talked about it, when he was willing to, he liked the openness of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wanted it to be something that we could all watch, and read into, and yes, I mean, there's obviously some things that like he's making this huge leap from the prehistory of man Mm -hmm. to technological. um, How did we advance as an evolutionary species? Right. Was there help? So he's trying. He's trying to get mm-hmm. us to think about these things. Right. And you know, and whether or not there was help, at the very least, thinking about what are the continuity, what are the things that carry through, right? And I mean, you think about it like, well, what is it that that big step that he chronicles at the beginning is? Well, it's just like acknowledgement of the ability to wield weapons, uh-huh. right? And so, what then happens? Oh, well, then we have these like or to take life. vastly superior kind mm-hmm. of weapons, which is interesting because if you read into, you know, if you read the novel and if you read into the production of it, like at one time it was it was intended to be much more clear that those satellites were essentially nuclear weapons. They were like there to be um, used as weapons, essentially. And that kind of that was put more subtext in the final version of the film but was was definitely there before so 
this idea that, you know, okay, we, we've advanced, but really humanity is sort of drawn towards this kind of destructive power right. that, that we have. And then where do we move beyond that? We have a choice, but we choose a weird path. We right. choose a destructive path. We choose a path yeah. that's more ripe with violence than we should right. do. Until we get to a certain point, right? And so, I mean, and that, and that kind of gets us to where, you know, 2001 ends with the star child, mm-hmm. you know, figure where it's this, okay, well, what is this evolutionary step that's just been taken? And it kind of leaves it open, chance, yeah. right? And there's this, mm-hmm. yeah, like, is it, it, will humanity evolve beyond what we've been trapped with before? Are we going to go beyond just trying to destroy one another? Mm-hmm. And we're going to try to find some sort of way of being that kind of goes beyond that? still kind of hits me mm-hmm. i mean you know watching it again here re- recently on a small screen mm-hmm. <laughs> um it it's still kind of a powerful ending where I'm, I'm just left kind of wondering like well what does that mean and do we have these is there some kind of guiding presence mm-hmm. is there something that's, that's pushing us towards this are we ourselves capable of doing this I love that it's a film that makes me ask those mm-hmm. questions. I love that it's a film. And are we ultimately self-destructive? Are we ultimately yeah. going to, you know, right. make right. the wrong choices and, and, and eliminate ourselves? Yeah. And I'm jealous of Carlos with his monolith tattoo. Mm. Let's go. Tonight, me and you, let's go. It's all, it's all right. Uh, we've had too much beer. 99% of the people that see it have no fucking idea what it is. So it's, <laughs> I feel like, you know, just like of. in the last episode, David... Pulled out three beers. Yeah. If you go back and listen to one episode, David's like, we're going to do a series. I feel like Kubrick is, and Tarantino, but Kubrick is one for us to explore. I've never seen Barry Lyndon. One, one thing, I have. One thing I'll say, and if you go back a couple episodes, you'll hear me say this about Jim Jarmusch, but honestly... There's voids. There's big voids in my Kubrick mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Clockwork Orange. I've yeah. seen The Shining. I've yeah. seen 2001. Yeah. But I haven't... Eyes Wide Shut? I haven't seen Eyes Wide Shut, though I do own a copy of it, but I've never felt emotionally yeah. equipped enough to sit through all of it. <laughs> um, I haven't seen Dr. Strangelove. I haven't seen oh, Barry Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's some important stuff in there yeah. that I haven't seen that I am embarrassed that I haven't seen. Yeah. But that's only because you appreciate the, the stuff that you have seen of him and know that he's a master. Yeah, I mean, what I, I mean, what I have seen of him is so incredible yeah. that the fact that I haven't seen every single one of his movies yeah. is embarrassing. And I've me. never seen uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I, I don't have you know seen why. the killing? It was and Paths no, of glory. Um, no, but you're talking Barry about, Lyndon you know, was Spartacus. Barry, yes, Barry Lyndon was filmed in Did he the, at Spartacus? the yeah. at the same location uh, that the favorite was filmed. Oh, oh, yeah, that, that's right. That, that's that right. Manner, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, definitely Go back to episode seeing... to find out. Now, that, that's, and that's one that I <laughs> one, didn't get to see two, in the big screen. One, two, three, four. <laughs> so, the, well, it's, it sounds unanimous that we all love 2001. Oh, my God. It's a top ten. Film, Honestly, top five fuck you film. if you don't. It is. And it, fuck you. And I think... No, I, I, I'll die on that hill. And, and what I love, and what I love about visiting this in the context of high life is, for me... It really just, it solidifies that feeling that, okay, High Life is a film worth seeing, that people, adults, fair enough, this is not a film to bring children to, um, but but this is a film that I want people to see. Both of these films are films that I want people to see and to think about. Yeah, for sure. 
Do you want people to drink and think about the clarity from Matchless Brewing? I think so. I mean, I'm impressed with this uh, this IPA of theirs. What is it about it that impresses you? What I like is it was very drinkable. I think it had a nice sort of citrusy element, but it wasn't, uh, you know, it, it's, it's clear. It is not a hazy. It's not super... Um, it, it doesn't have a huge body. Well, okay, it isn't it's clear, not that clear actually when I look at it, but it doesn't have a huge body like I think of with hazy IPAs. Yeah. It's pretty easy to drink, pretty easy to throw back. As we were sipping on it during that discussion, um, I mean, I emptied my glass and even refilled it a little bit. Now, this was canned in March. Okay. So I'm wondering. So it's lost a little bit maybe of its hop character? Maybe. I mean, I'm wondering what this tastes like out of the tap days after yeah. it was kegged. I mean, know? I'm sure it would be a little bit more punchy with that. Yeah. yeah. Is your complaint, Carlos, that it seems to have a staleness to it? No, Stale. I mean, I don't know that I necessarily have a complaint with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely. You think not, it might be a little tastier, fresher? It's definitely not the clearest IPA. Um, no. I, it's it's not even that I have a complaint. It's just that upon examining, I did notice mm-hmm. the canning date, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I saw that that mm-hmm. I even questioned it. Do they put a drink by date on? They there? say drink fresh. Okay. It says drink fresh mm-hmm. batch. Two four two one nine canned March nineteenth two thousand nineteen, and you know, like I said, I didn't even think about it until I saw that date. But then once I saw it, I was like, hmm, I wonder what this. We are three months on. Yeah, I know, wonder what this. You know, days, weeks, maybe even within a month of its, you know, it's a final point. fermentation day. Stone has just, their very famous drink by drink series. by series, yeah. And uh, I know that uh, we've gone to Maine and brought back um, Maine Beer Company's beers, and they say, yeah. "Do not store. Yeah, these right. are not to shelve. These are these not, are not beers. to age. These yeah, are not to right. seller. Drink them." And I didn't really understand that concept until I got into a situation where I was like. This would have tasted better, fresher. Now, well, I don't know if you're saying this would have tasted better, fresher, but I in the know. IPA world, when you're not adding a lot of adjuncts or other things to preserve yeah. flavor, you got to drink it quick. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I think it would taste better or worse or whatever. I mean, it's more I'm just interested in it. Yeah. But like I told you guys in between episodes or in between whatever, mm-hmm. a friend of mine did bring over a. 16 ounce you know tall boy or whatever it is um of the fresh haze from deschutes mm-hmm. a beer i normally like a great deal and mm-hmm. i think as far as hazy ipa goes it's one of the better shelfies as it, as it were that you mm-hmm. can get and i was drinking it i was like man this is not great I, what is recall, what's yeah. what's going on with this i right. looked and it said best buy january something 2019 and where were you and this was two June. days ago. June. <laughs> yeah, June. We were, right. we were deep into June mm-hmm. at this point. I'm like, yeah, this is fucking awful now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really bad. Are you saying this of this beer? Because I, no, I found no, this no, beer no. pretty solid. No, it's good. Yeah. This beer is good. But the point that I'm making is that upon seeing the candy date, these experiences that I've had made me think, oh, I wonder what it's like. Super, super fresh. All you right. know, like if I lived in... Um, Tumwater, Washington. Yeah. And I could just mosey on over to the tap room 
would it be a little the fresh? day that they post on facebook sure. hey we just tapped this keg right. what it would taste like right right not that i think this is bad because it's not a bad beer it's a pretty solid beer so and it's one that i mean i've had this before spoiler alert stop um, insulting the beer carlos i've had this beer before and i was excited to drink it a second time when david pulled it pulled it out of his, his stop cooler, insulting so. the beer carlos <laughs> Close the pod bay doors. <laughs> Stop insulting the beer, Carlos. You're um, reading my lips a little. Daisy. David, what do you what do you what do you what are you about to say? I, I understand that uh, beers are not as timeless as films might be. Right. And I think two thousand one, absolutely a timeless film. I think it will continue to be interesting. I honestly think High Life will continue to be interesting for many years to come. And I'm looking forward to learning more about that director. I want to go. Back I think and you look should. At her, I think you should. Hopefully, really we do. revisit her yeah, in, yeah. in uh, future and I, episodes. And, and 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 you need to see. Um, um, Doctor Strangelove. I need to see Barry Lyndon. Sure, so many great movies out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah there may so, be time. There's a lot. But uh, wh- whatever the case may be, I think we want our listeners to revisit us in future episodes and to visit us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show. You can find us on Instagram at Beer and a Movie, and you can find us at Facebook.com/slash Beer and Movie TX. As always, our home base is Beer and Movie Podcast.com. You can find the link to listen to us on whatever platform you choose, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Android, on your desktop, whatever it may be. Of course, if you are listening to it on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe to the show. That helps us out a great deal, and it will also keep you abreast about when we are dropping new episodes. That is a weekly basis, folks, so stay tuned for that. And if you are on that platform, go ahead and rate and review us. We know you're going to give us a five-star review because you love the show so much. But also leave a review. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. Give us ideas about themed episodes that we may do. We love those quite a bit. And so we definitely want to explore more of those in the future. And like I've said a hundred times, and I'll say it a hundred times more, the offer still stands. Send us beer. If you live in a state that is not Texas or a city that is not Corpus Christi and there is a particular beer that you think is fantastic that we need to try and talk about on the show, send it to us. And if you do that... This is a two-way street, y'all. You will get something in return. Mm-hmm. We will send you something something good. That's all that we can say. We can't say what it's going to be. We can't make any guarantees, but it will be worth your while. Let it be known. I'm going on record right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but until next time. Stop insulting the beer, Carlos. Carlos.